Big show ahead as well. Plenty to get through today. Plenty to get through ahead of what's going to be a busy sporting weekend. But uh, I guess it's this time of the morning where Smithy usually delivers a sermon. And while this might not be a sermon, uh, I've got something to say. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's sermon. Well, I'm not really one for sermons, but a bit of a personal moment for me to share with you to start the show today. And uh, I've spent the week thinking about this. Yesterday, of course, two rugby men were laid to rest uh, at Pukekohe, where an all-star cast of former All Blacks and rugby luminaries gathered. It was goodbye to Bruce Robertson, who, in my time calling and covering rugby, was just one of the most generous and genuine and caring blokes you could hope to meet. He was a delight to be around, and uh, it was lovely to listen to a few stories from the service last night, catching up uh, with a friend for a a wee pint. And meanwhile, at another stadium, Billy Guyton was sent off in style at Trafalgar Park. Now, Billy was not an All Black, but he was a terrific little footy player, and he was a champion man to spend time with. I know Billy had struggled for some time with his mental health, and he shared some of that battle with me. And on news of his passing, I, I reread those messages and made me realise that the last time we talked was more than four years ago, and I regret that, that I really checked in with him. And I reread over our last comments and last conversation yesterday, and the last message he sent to me was, I'm hoping to make a change in this country, how we see people that just need a friend or even help. So, apologise to you, Billy, that I didn't stay more in touch with you, but I certainly hope you're at peace now, mate, and uh, you are a lovely man. And another message, and I know we've spoken about a lot on SNZ during the week, and Mark Stafford in particular around men's health, but do give your mates a call and do check in with them regularly, even if it's just to say good day, because you never know if that could make a difference to their life or not. Right, let's get into the sports, shall we? And Super Rugby back on the agenda. Jamie Wall joins us, uh, journalist extraordinaire, author, pens a great column every single time with Radio New Zealand. And it's great to have you with us, Jamie Wall. Are you excited about this round of Super Rugby? Well, I'd first just like to acknowledge Simo. It's the first time um, you and I have chatted for a while. And it's great to hear your voice, mate. It's, um, it's always wonderful. Um, to answer your question, well, yes and no. Mm. I still think there are some pretty decent matchups uh, in this round, and Super Rugby as a competition, you can it, it deserves some criticism um, for for the way that it's uh, been handled and things. But you can't deny that it is still kind of inter- making things interesting <laughs> uh, as we he- head into the business end. A lot of that is because of some of the problems. Uh, it's because of one problem, mm. um, which is uh, that the playoff picture is just way too big. Um, <clears throat> but it ha- but it definitely has meant that there's a lot riding on a lot more games that normally wouldn't mm. um, under the old Super 12 system that we, we would have seen. A lot of teams would be dead by now. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like that... <clears throat> Is one is one big positive um, out of this, uh, and you know I I was really looking forward to the Chiefs and Hurricanes um, a few weeks ago, uh, but I think now even though the edge has kind of been taken for a bit because it feels a little bit like the Hurricanes have kind of thrown their hands up and gone oh well, we have to do this all black rest period mm. thing, uh, I I I I can still see something kind of happening there because. 
while Artie and Geordie are missing, um, the guys I've got into to to replace him, especially Braden Yossi at, at number eight, mm. I, I think I'm really excited to watch watch him play. It's a shame that Peter Lackey is not playing as well. I think that's something that's also got lost uh, out of all this. He's not playing because he's in the New Zealand twenties. <clears throat> So yeah, it's a, it's a, a long-winded way of saying that <laughs> yes, I am, but not as much as I would have been. I, here's my issue, right? I I understand that the All Blacks have their individual load management programs, whatever way you want to slice and dice it, but the integrity of the competition should be above all else, Jamie. And and the the hard thing for me is that Super Rugby for so long has had to live in the shadow of All Black Rugby. Uh, we always talk about players in Super Rugby in terms of their chances of All Black selection, which just should be absolutely not part of the picture for me. It should be about the younger guys coming through. It should always be about the next star but instead we enter round what 13 of this competition and we're talking about 26 All Blacks who aren't there whether that's through injury suspension or these rest periods the Canes have lost Savia, Geordie Barrett, Terrell Lomax to rest, Offutuunga Fasi, Finlay Christie, Caleb Clark, Rico Iwani all resting at the Blues, Lester Fying Anuku, Cody Taylor, Braden Enner all resting uh, for the Crusaders that doesn't strike me as integrity that's not integrity of a competition because you want to sell your superstars. And by saying to fans, hey, look, you know what, we're going to have to throw, throw the white flag here uh, and say, well, this is the game. And from a Hurricanes perspective, the fact they've got the Chiefs this week, then the Blues Crusaders, it's a hell of a run home. But surely it should be all about them fighting for their best playoff spot, not about doing the bidding for another coach in the game. Would you agree with that? One hundred percent. You've pretty much said what I want. What I want to say, but I, I would say that the the critique of the situation that we have, and it's it's, it's not a new one, um, but it just seems to be a massively bigger thing this this year because it seems to be happening a, a lot more. Um, is is not of Super Rugby itself because I feel like the competition is good. You know, we've seen some really good games. Mm. We've seen. Uh, we've heard from the players that it means a lot to them. You know, we're seeing performances out to them where they're definitely playing for the jersey on their back and not the jersey that they're going to be wearing <clears throat> uh, in in September, October. And and you know, it's it's a great product. I would rather watch Super Rugby than any other domestic competition in the world. The the, the real issue is is like you mentioned, is the, this all black overreach that that's come in mm. and the fact that it's become almost like a given that we just accept it because not not because we like it, um, not because we agree with it, just because it's inevitable that um, the All Blacks come first. They don't need to even really ask for it. Um, everyone's going to kind of bend over to do their do their bidding for them, and it does, like you said, take away a lot of the integrity competition. And adding to that, it's not just the players, like because this is the the pointy end of the of the. Of the of the argument as the players being taken out. But if you go back from that, it's the entire mindset of the coaches themselves yep, going into correct. these seasons because because they're not so much interested in winning a Super Rugby title for their players and for their fans and for the community and everything. They're interested in what their job is going to be next. And we've seen two of them this year, and Jason Holland and Leon McDonald, um, you know, sit there and get what they wanted out of the season. And that's why, to me, the Hurricanes um, losing these players, it wasn't a hard decision for Holland to make because he's already got what he wants, wants out of the season. 
Um, the Blues up and down. Yeah, but I, 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 I think that... Probably a result of McDonald getting what he wants out of the season. Yeah, but I, I mean, that might be a little unfair to Jason Holland and, and uh, Leon McDonald. I mean, yeah, they've been appointed to an all-black position, but, you know, questioning the value that they place on winning a competition as a head coach and for a franchise, I think might be a bridge too far on that. But I guess the, the point is they get put in this invidious situation all the time and have done for years. I look at the two coaches who are most likely to argue with former all-black regime, Chris Boyd and Dave Rennie, and we've lost them in the game because they argued, because they stood up for the rights of their team in the face of what was uh, an overwhelming control from uh, the All Blacks uh, under Steve Hansen. Uh, and it's a shame to have to be losing coaches. And, and I guess we've got to remember, Jamie, these coaches too are working on their CVs, aren't they? Uh, their win rates become important. That's their job. It's their profession. Uh, so to be hamstrung like they are, I think is a huge issue in the game. And one thing for me, and, and I hope this is the case, with the incoming, hopefully, new independent commission for Super Rugby, a lot of these problems can be solved. They have to be solved because we want games every weekend like the NRL. I don't know about you, but... If I go up to the local pub and talk to uh, the group of blokes uh, that I like to share a beer with, people talk about NRL far more than they talk about Super Rugby, and, and that is a new thing to me, Jamie, because uh, I, I just don't remember it ever being uh, this much in favour of the other code. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. I think that um, having the Warriors obviously back playing in New Zealand and having that kind of breath of fresh air into the competitive sporting market that's competing for our bums on seats and our eyeballs on screens has, has helped that along. Mm. Um, but I also I also think that just going back to the coaching thing, um, if you even go even further back from what I mentioned before, I mean, I just think the entire international coaching setup, like the way that these guys... Uh, you know, the job market is is contributing to this problem because mm. I, I think that um, we have test rugby as kind of being treated in the same way that, say, football would treat club competitions um, like a Champions League or anything like that. And 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 international stuff shouldn't be shouldn't be done like that. You know, it's 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 uh, it's it's just a, everyone's kind of looking for the next gig. You know, and it, it, that to me is, is comes right back to the integrity of the competition, and the fact that Leo McDonald, Jason, and I take your point that yeah, you know, I, I don't, I wasn't necessarily saying that you know they're tanking games because I don't care. I'm saying that it's just more of like that the 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 actions here are reflective of the environment that they're mm, in, mm. Um, and I think that um, the 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 reason why that it's it's got this way. Um, is because being an assistant All Black coach is a more preferable job than being a head coach at a Super Rugby team, and I, I don't I don't see that as being uh, a very optimal situation for rugby coaches. No, it doesn't feel uh, it doesn't around. feel it doesn't, it doesn't happen like that in other in other yeah. sports. It yeah. doesn't happen like that in American sports. It doesn't happen like that in football. Yeah. You know, Pep Guardiola is not going to give up being Manchester City coach to go be assistant coach at, at, a, at an international team. It just doesn't work like that. And if they can fix that and make it so it's, it's, it's more lucrative and, and more desirable uh, to be a head coach rather than assistant, then we'll start fixing this problem. 
Uh, let's talk about some of the games. Um, all fascinating points, Jamie. Thanks for those. Um, I think the Reds have got a chance here over the Blues. I think this is, could be an absolute slip-up for the Blues, especially with uh, Dalton Papali'i suspended and the aforementioned players being rested. Uh, they look a little light up front for me, the Blues, but can the Reds uh, do it twice in a row? <clears throat> yeah, I think they're right for the picking. And <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, I, I think it's totally on the Reds to carry on for that momentum they had from, from last week, which was a really stunning performance, I have to say. Like, I really enjoyed watching that game because it was just one of those games that was completely built on defence. Mm. Um, which is and, usually and, the and cheese kind of, bread and butter, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and not something that the Australian Super Rugby teams are particularly well-renowned for. Mm. Um, and it was, just, it was really fitting that it finished with a really epic goal-line stand. I mean, it shouldn't have because they've obviously... Uh, couldn't kick the goals, but anyway, they got the win. Um, the, the the main guy I think who is the key loss for the for the Blues this week is Finley Crossy. Yeah, agree. Uh, because because he would have been marking, I reckon, the form halfback of the competition at the moment in Tate McDermott. That guy just seems to control everything. If the if the Blues <clears throat> have figured out a way to contain him, then they'll probably have a good way have a good measure of winning the game. Yeah, I, so um, I haven't but, seen a know, halfback the, like that in Reds colours since Will Guinea, um, who used to control the short side, and he was so good at it. I watched Tate McDermott play first time in an under-20s tournament, World Cup under-20s tournament. He was a phenom then, and I think he just gets better and better. I I think he is just an uh, archetypal Australian rugby player. You know, he's, he, he loves having his back against the wall and just comes out fighting. And, and I think mm. that if they could if they could bottle his... Uh, his attitude um, towards playing, they'll, they'll win the Blues on Cup, you know. I, and I do like the way that the Reds do have that's quite a, hot, a few guys. That's a hot like. take. Can we just mark that moment, please? Look, you can't move on <laughs> from a statement like that so quickly. You know that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I think um, I think that having him in the, in the Wallabies is going to, you know, if they can build a team around him. Yeah. And guys like, I mean, I'm not 100% sold on Harry Wilson yet, but I do like the way that he basically grew up in a system where he never really lost to any New Zealand teams mm. um, coming up because he played in that very good Australian under-20 side that thrashed um, the New Zealand under-20s. Uh, and his attitude as well. And I think what they basically need is they need that Australian arrogance um, back in them. They need someone who to come in. And this is what I think that they'll get in the next World Cup cycle when um, they bring in all these NRL players, because that's exactly what they're going to do, mm. who, who who don't think who, – who, who don't um, give uh, – give a crap about what the All Blacks legacy is or anything like that and they're going to bring in the, this hard-nosed attitude and I think you're going to see a very very good Wallaby side in the next sort of four or five years. Yeah I like the youngster, I like Fraser McCride as well, I think Harry Wilson's got super talent, I mean Hooper to me is still one of the greats of all time um, in a side that doesn't get as many wins as it probably should and you know, I think you're right you had Tate McDermott and some of the seasoned midfielders that have already developed under Dave Rennie, I think it's looking a, a really strong Wallabies side, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. There's one last game to discuss with you before we let you go today, Jamie. That's the Highlanders-Rebels, and um, I've also got some fears for the Highlanders in this one. Second to last game at home for Aaron Smith, who's announced that this is it for him in terms of Highlanders' colours, but the Rebels are still fighting. They're still in the hunt here, and uh, I just would not surprise to see them come across the ditch and just do something a little bit crazy. Well, see, this is the thing about Super Rugby and the criticism it gets is that I don't think I would have thought... I didn't think I'd be sitting here talking to you today talking up a couple of Australian teams mm. uh, a few weeks ago. Right. Um, I think the Rebels have got a great shot. I've seen enough good rugby out of them this year to that they could really knock off anybody. 
um, in the comp. The problem is, is they're only good. For, they're only good for about fifty minutes a game. Mm. Um, so if they can sort out that last half hour, they could definitely do a number on the Highlanders. Um, I've, I've seen enough bad rugby out of the Highlanders to know that they're going to. They could easily lose um, to the Rebels as well. And there's some really good young players in that Rebels side as well. I really like Carter Gordon mm. um, at at uh, first five, and Andrew Calloway just. Yeah, I, I, I rate him as well. I sort of put him in the same bracket as, as Table Turner. But the Highlanders, I think there's a much bigger issue going on than just winning this game for them. They need to sort some stuff off, some stuff out off the field in terms of how they're going to actually be a sustainable um, super rugby team yeah. going forward and how they're going to attract some blue chip players down there. Because at the moment, they're getting... They're getting guys who, and you know, like full respect to these guys, but there's a lot of players in that super in that Highlanders team who, who wouldn't even be making the bench for um, some of the other teams. And if you look at the state of the other the guys that are getting left out of teams, um, the Blues and the Chiefs and the Hurricanes, uh, you know, that could come in and really fix up that Highlanders side and why they're not actually there. Uh, well, that's a bit, really big question mark for that well, organisation. I tell you why they're not there, mate, because it, going back to your original point, players want to advance their own careers and they're just not seeing any advancement in terms of their skill sets down at the Highlanders at the moment, and that's a fact, and that's reflected, I think, in the score lines we've seen this season. Jamie Wall, always great to chat to you, buddy. Thank you for all your thoughts around Super Rugby. There's plenty to get through this weekend, and uh, unfortunately, we've got a few players out. It would be great to have them on board, but not to be. We're going to take a short break here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Scotty Stevenson filling in right back after this. SENZ. 7-Eleven is a famous dairy all around the world, but in Wellington, it's world famous for being the SENZ frequency. Strap in, listen up, and get involved. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, welcome back everyone. Uh, Scotty Stevenson filling in for Smithy today. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Time to get us on the Temper Bedpost text machine to 8833 if you want to get in touch about anything we've already discussed. Jamie Wall, fascinating on rugby, the classic overreach. Had a text through from Patty here saying, absolutely, you look at Origin and look at the NRL and they'll just get one week off and they're back into it. And that's a very different approach than we've got at the moment with uh, Super Rugby. Uh, Kevin's been in touch too, saying the Reds will be very hard to beat tonight. Pretty good side, won't be a one-off what they did last week. Um, So he's into it. Watch it. Watch out, says Kevin. Watch out, Blues. It's a good morning too to Louis down in Christchurch. Morning, Louis. Morena, Sumo. Great to have you on SCNZ. It's lovely, um, lovely to be here. Been mate. a while. Lovely to be here. Now, um, you're still spectacleless. Can you see? <laughs> yeah, vaguely. Um, you, you, as someone that wears glasses, you know, I don't know how you go with contacts. I have contacts no. in, but I, re- I reckon they're off my old prescription. So I'm probably, I would estimate somewhere between 65% and 75% sight. <laughs> okay. Mate, that's good enough. Are you driving? Or are you just walking everywhere? Oh, I'm a, I'm a big big believer in public transport. Um, <laughs> no longer under 25, so I'm not going to get the subsidised public transport. Oh, that's that, not that, ideal. The, that, that, so, I mean, I don't know how much budget talk we're going to cram in this morning. I'd, I'd assume not a lot. Um, but, yeah, so I'm a I'm, I'm big public transport advocate, yeah. Yeah, do you want me to shoehorn some budget facts into the show today, or should we strict, strictly to sport? Well, there's nothing in there for sport, was there? Nothing in the budget. No, sports or got gaming, next. actually. Sorry? Gaming. Gaming? G- developing. East, they've, yeah, the oh, big sub- so they're subsidising. They sub- sub- <laughs> they're subsidising. The, the latest uh, Olympic game- sport. 
Hey, the hey man. Well, we don't, I don't make the rules. I don't make the rules either. So what are they doing? Subsidising gaming. Uh, developers. Like a huge well, amount. And I think that... Get into oh, it. Oh, that's... Yeah, the, the, the righties hated that one. Yes, they would. <laughs> hey, what did you make? A, what did you make of Jamie Wall's uh, comments today, just regarding Super Rugby? I know it's probably been a big talking point throughout the week here, but um, you know, can this be fixed? Does it need to be fixed for Super Rugby? These uh, compulsory rest weeks for All Blacks. I think the most poignant thing that Jamie said was, "This isn't you." I remember years ago, Daniel McCarty and me sitting here banging our heads, going. Are we the only fans of Super Rugby in, in the world? Uh, or do people actually respect it for what it is? Like, why do we everything have to be in the context of international rugby? And that yep. was when the All Blacks are actually good. The All Blacks aren't good anymore, and somehow it's gotten worse. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. It's not as if form would dictate uh, at the moment this kind of approach. But I just think I, I, you know, I spent a long time calling and covering Super Rugby, and um, to me, it's just I, I've seen the. You know, literally the death of provincial rugby in the time I've been broadcasting the game. Um, it is a far cry from what it used to be. I just don't want to see Super Rugby go the same way. You just need something in this country for fans to hang their hat on. It can't just be five matches a year uh, in New Zealand, or in this case, one uh, before a Rugby World Cup. It's just not enough for people to get into. And we've seen some good crowds this year, but I just don't feel we cherish it. Uh, as a sport, we don't cherish our competitions. We don't realise what we have uh, until it's too late. I think at the heart of it, it's probably a deeper conversation around tribalism and where we've got to with what our connection to rugby union means. And um, it's a lot different from when you were commentating to when you were growing up. It's even different to when mm. I was growing up, Scotty. Mm. And I just, it's it's a really big and quite scary conversation to get into because we're so for so long tied rugby to our natural national identity and I just don't think that's the case anymore it's not like Victoria and AFL it's not like England and football it's not like America and American football it's mm. just we have I don't know it's because maybe because we're a young country or whatever but we've fallen off the back of the speedboat I think with our connection to the game a wee bit has to be get they have to get it back have to get it back it's got to be fan first all the time that's uh, the secret to any good sporting organization understanding what the fans want and then giving it to them it's coming up 9 30 it is time for the news with Aroha 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Well, you're on mornings with Ian Smith. Thanks to Brent, your local John Deere equipment supplier, Scotty Stevenson, filling in today. Time to turn our attention to hoops right now and a great pleasure to welcome in Brooke Rusko, Sky Sport Basketball Analyst and host of the Morning Shift Show. It's a very good morning to you, Brooke. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hope you're all right. Mate, sharp as a marble here. Um, speaking of sharp, what about the Tuatara getting the job done over the Nuggies? Yeah, they looked good last night, man. They, I think they, their record doesn't really reflect where they're sitting at the moment as well. They dropped a couple games, which is probably a bit of a worrying sign, and it kind of looked like that was was kind of imminent last night as well. They, they've been getting out to these big leads and then, and then blowing those. So mm. another big lead last night down in Otago on the road without Cam Glidden, one of their stars, and um, they managed to hold on, got up to like, I think it was 17 or 18 last night. They looked really good in their fourth quarter, a little bit of pressure. Um, they had a big enough lead to be able to hold on, and, and Rob Lowe had a couple big threes down the stretch to really just kind of keep it at bay. But a big win, a couple of things that they can work on without a doubt, mm. which is a promising sign for coach um, Aaron Young. But I also really like the Otago Nuggets team. Like, yeah, they lost last night. That was their first loss. But to me, uh, the point guard on their team, Jakari McLaughlin, he mm. is... Without a doubt, to me, the best player in the league. And 
and he's showing it at the moment. So they're, they're going to be a worrying sign. I think they're kind of just going about their business down down south, and no one's not not paying attention to them. But it's kind of just like I don't think they're getting the rave reviews that they deserve. So yeah, they got a look, you know, come, they got a good balance too. I mean, McLaughlin went thirty nine yeah. points, thirteen and twenty two um, field goals, four from nine from the three points. So I mean, when you've got scoring like that, I, I, it's interesting you brought up Rob Lowe too. I think Rob Lowe's rebound work really kept Tuatara in the game. They they were down heavy in the first uh, in the in the fourth quarter, um, almost blew it. But um, sixteen rebounds in the game for Lowe, that's a superhuman effort. Yeah, he's a big boy down there, and the one game that he missed, the Tuatara lost their game, they got blown out, and mm. it's just a clear reflection of how important he is to their team, and uh, last year we saw in the playoffs that he was, like, that's where he really stepped up, but it kind of feels like he's got going nice and early this year, and um, I, if I think they're going to be there or thereabouts, and they've got a pretty good chance to win it, I, I know Cruz, one of the Tall Blacks was supposed to come back, but there's a little bit of a, a question mark around him, bit of an asterisk at the moment, so... Right. Um, that could be a worrying sign for the Tuatara because I know that was a, a you know, piece that they were looking forward to, uh, another part in the backcourt. But maybe if he doesn't come, they can use that money on a different import. So it's a, it's a promising sign for the Tuatara that they need to sort something out with that that next position with that next person coming in mm. pretty shortly, probably in the next couple of weeks. Well, they've got the Rams uh, tomorrow down in Christchurch, so the Southern Tour continues. That's going to be a tough game. Canterbury Rams going okay, looking like a good side. Uh, second on the table, they've only dropped one game at the moment as well. What are they doing so right down there? They've got something going right. They've got two imports coming off the bench, which is it doesn't really happen in the NBL, and you roll the dice having two imports coming off the bench. Mm. But it's working, you know, like... Yeah, two very athletic six 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 plus guards coming off that can fly, block shots, can get up above the rim, fast paced as well. Ty Winyard to me has been great. Big big loss losing Ty Winyard. Like he mm. I think last game was his last game. He's off to um, to China to play three on three basketball. And I heard the numbers astronomical. So you you got to tip your hat to him and say congratulations and and go and get the money. You can't really play around with money that I heard he is getting. Mm-hmm. But if you do talk about him, that's such a big loss. And I think we'll come tomorrow night. Rob will probably make his presence felt down when he could have been able to. You're not going to stop Rob Lowe, but slow him down. Yeah, I think Ty did a good job of just making the the pace slow down when it needed to for the Rams, but didn't stop it when they wanted to get out and run. So he's going to be a big loss for them, but Walter Brown has also been huge. He's 19, plays his role so well. He's been like 30-plus minutes, doesn't force anything, can score 20 points, can also score like two points, but doesn't worry about what he's doing. Generally has the import, and he's doing a pretty good job of slowing them down as well. So Coach Jeff Level has done a pretty good job of working out what works. Yeah, Roll the dice, and it's definitely working at the moment. It's going to be very interesting, though, to see how they counter not having Ty Winyard and I think tomorrow and and maybe the next couple of games will be a real decider of, you know or a real good indicator of how their season is going to play out come playoff time but where they're sitting at the moment you've got to tip your hat to them and say well done. Franklin Bulls taking on uh, the Taranaki Ears two tonight. Uh, Ears are struggling they're two and five so far this season. Uh, points differs average. Uh, can mm. they start turning it around and what, what's going wrong? We've talked about what's going right uh, in Canterbury. What's going wrong for Taranaki right now? Can they turn it around? Absolutely. Um, I, I called one of the games and there was a team that I was watching when I called the game like hey this team can, can really play. They're getting up and down. They were getting stops. And then the next game, it's a completely different team. So it's just, you know, it's finding that consistency. And they've just welcomed back in one of their imports from last year, Anthony Hilliard, who led the league in scoring. He's, he's a beast. 
So having him back in, they, they did lack a little bit of that scoring and that punch. So having him come back in and just being able to keep the scoreboard ticking over is going to be huge. And that confidence that they have in him just to be like, hey, here you go, here's the ball, go and get us the bucket. <laughs> he, that's weight and gold. It's like a Corey Webster, Kirk Penny type of a field that they need. Spread the floor with the shooting as well. So they can get it done and he can win games alone. They need to get stops on the other end. They, they've also just lost Marcel Jones, I know. They came, uh, they came up with a mutual agreement to part ways. So it's a little bit of a punch that they're, they're missing off the bench with that leadership that he has and that experience as well. So they're going to have to find spaces and someone else is going to have to step up in his absence. They can get it done. They need to get stops on the other end. They, that's been a big problem for them, and they need to fill it up from deep. Their three-point percentage has been pretty terrible. Uh, sorry not to mix my words with that, but Anthony Hilliard should come back through, and, and he should be able to help that. It's a very big game that this Bulls team is firing at the right time. I've got a little confidence in the Bulls at the moment. They're looking pretty good. All right, mate. Finally, uh, you came on with Smithy uh, at the start of the final series, and you're all on the Lakers. <laughs> uh, game two against the Nuggets today. Uh, look, I still think the Lakers can win this game too. I do. And, hey. and, and I'm on it with you, mate. I, I think they can go the whole way. Man, I'll be honest with you. I, I really, I'm still thinking they can do it too. I know I was poking the bear a little bit at the start, but I did have a little bit of trust in myself that they got LeBron, AD gets healthy, things are changing, they can shoot the ball better now. They have a chance to do it. I know they lost game one, but I haven't felt so confident after a loss. They switched everything up in the second half. They got killed. Jokic killed them. Mm. He's the MVP for a reason. He killed them. It was, it was actually a masterclass, the performance he put on in the first class. They switched it up. They, they took AD off him. They put Rui Hashimura on him. They just switched it up, and I think I saw something there that makes me think that the Lakers can get it in six. So they get one today, they win two, goes back to Denver, they lose that one, and then they win it in LA in six. All right. I can't wait till this is recorded, and then we use this in, in like a month. I, I'm with you. I just uh, look. I, I think the, I think the stars are aligned here. I think a, a Lakers Celtics final series is on the cards. Yes, I'm with you too. And this is let's play this one out too. It either it goes to Game Six and they win it in LA, and LeBron jumps on the little stage that they have there and he does the Kobe stance, or it goes to Game Seven and LeBron wins in Game Seven. It's, it's a storyline there. He's in Hollywood for a reason. Hundred percent. Um, we better touch on that too. Um, Celtics Heat. Um, I, I've got the Celtics there. Um, how many games going to take? I have the Celtics too. Well, I, I still have the Celtics. But Jimmy Butler just seems to be a scary person. You don't want to bet against at the moment. They're just getting it done. <laughs> yeah. He's a scary, scary dude. And he's doing it with seven undrafted players. He's doing it without Tyler Hero. He's doing it without Victor Oladipo. They've still got game one on the road. I've got Boston to win it, but I'm not as confident in the other series. It might even go to seven. Uh, I think Boston blows them out in game two, maybe steals one back in Miami. But, man, Jimmy Butler... Uh, Coach Eric Spolstra, they're doing something right. They're yeah, just they're gritty. They can grind. They can go down low, give it to Adebayo, who's a good passer. Kyle Lowry was pretty big yesterday as well. They've all kind of been big. So people get beaten against them and they're proving people wrong. Mm. But I still do have Boston in that series. All right, Brock, man. Awesome to catch up with you, buddy. There's nothing about basketball you don't know. So it's been, uh, <laughs> it's been fulsome to listen to your tones today. Looking forward to this weekend's uh, sales NBL, of course. Um, Brooke will be all over that, and uh, the NBA finals continue. Brooke Rusco from Sky Sport, and of course, host of the Morning Shift Show. Great to chat, buddy. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Cheer up. Wowee.
plenty of text coming through. I tell you what, Louis, I don't know if you've got the text machine in front of you, but um, we've, we've poked the beer here. We have poked the beer. There's a query about me here. How long have I been in the media? How long have I been in the media, Louis? Jeez, too long. As long as I can remember. So. A long time, Jaden. Um, but uh, still an amateur, and that's what we love about it. Um, hey, Sumo, resting the ABs uh, also, well, I hate resting ABs also, but do we know if the players' union pushes for it, or is it simply New Zealand rugby? Frustrating to say the least. Uh, thank you, Gerard. Well, it's all part of the deal, obviously, that uh, the contracts that are signed, especially when it comes to All Blacks, uh, but I can't get full clarification on that for you, Gerard. But I guess everyone's in agreement. They have to be, otherwise they wouldn't be playing the game. Um, RC says, this is why All Blacks are losing more these days. Too soft, not fit enough, because they don't play enough. Uh, it's a strong take from you, RC. Players want to play. I believe they do. NZR Directive has to end. Fans won't go if the best players are not playing. And uh, Grant from Christchurch says, uh, hey guys, I think rugby has missed the boat with social media. They need to pump their brown through socials, need to have the players interacting with schools. There's no real content around the outside of the game. League, on the other hand, there is constant content every day. I I really enjoy that point that Grant makes, Louis, because to me, rugby has fallen so far behind um, on stat delivery, on insights into the game, on the way that, that young consumers watch and digest sport. Um, trying to find accurate data, stat data on Super Rugby is just, a, it's a nightmare unless you are a subscriber to an Optor or another stat provider. But wouldn't that just be something for the game to be able to go online, have an immediate overview of all the key stats in the games that we're watching? Completely agree, totally. And for people in our profession, it has been a nightmare for as long as I can remember trying to figure out accurately, like you're watching a game and you're thinking, I'm pretty sure I'm seeing this. How can I go and find this out so I can deliver to the punters, the Kiwis that actually want to to consume the content that, yes, what you are seeing is correct. It's a nightmare. And, And just tying in the basketball Look, the NBA is suffering what they are considering a bit of an epidemic at the moment of their star players not wanting to play. Mm. So people save up, a family of five, spend moonbeams to take them to a, a Lakers game. They might be in Charlotte once a year. Yeah. And all of a sudden, LeBron and AD sit, the kids turn off. This is the NBA's problem. They are confronting it front on. They are looking it in the eye and saying, if you don't play this many games, you will miss out on all NBA sides. Or in rugby, it's actually the bosses that are pulling the players. (laughs) That's that's right. It's not player power, is it? In fact, it was interesting listening to um, that list earlier on about players who are out and offer Tunga Fasi as one. But uh, catching up with um, former Northland coach Marty Veal this week, and he said, you know, talk about players who want to play, offer Tunga Fasi... You know, he had 30 minutes in a game for the All Blacks and he wanted to go back and play for Northland two days later. He was ready to go. He was in the car. He was driving down. Uh, I think they were playing Bay of Plenty and he begged to play. He just wanted to go and play footy. And I don't think he'd be alone. I understand that the game is collision-based. I understand it's tough on the body. But these players do want to play. They want their opportunities to play and they should be um, they should be encouraged to do so, at least in my opinion. You're on uh, SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith, but it's Scotty Stevenson filling in today. Time is 9.44. Time for a quick break. And when we come back, plenty to get through, including my multi. This is going to cost you. Be right back. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to 
walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. That's right, it's time for a uh, bit of a multi here and um, Smithy's, I hope he's not listening because he's probably going to look at me and say, what are you doing? Impugning my good he's name not listening. with your multi. <laughs> no, he's, he's probably not. He's hungover. Is he? He's, he's, oh, good work. Oh, I hope so. Outstanding. So here it is, boys. It's a four-leg multi. Scotty Scheffler to take the PGA Championship. He's paying 360. The Highlanders take on the Rebels, uh, and they're going to win 1-12. to That's 270. Canterbury Rams take down the Tuatara in sales NBL at $1.60. And uh, here's one from the Boosted Odds Department. Uh, Latrell Mitchell, anytime try scorer, and Souths by 13-plus over the years, playing four. So all up, that's uh, $60.48, your potential return. <laughs> How good. <laughs> Is that how it works? Oh, this is loose. This is loose. Is I that, love is it. Is that how it works? I don't <laughs> exactly. know. Exactly. Is that, is that how it works, right? You beauty. So Can you that, just go through that one more time, Scotty? Yeah, Scotty Sheffield win, win the PGA, 360. Highlanders 1-12, 270. Canterbury Rams take on uh, the Tuatara, and they win head-to-head, 160. And Latrell Mitchell, anytime try scorer, and south by 13-plus over the yields. That's paying fours. 60-buck multi. There you go. Get it up. Hey, chuck a fiver on that. What do you got to lose? Just remember, you can download the TAB app today and you can bet on your favourite sports too, as long as you're responsible. Matters. The Mail Run. Saturdays from 8 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, Smithy's having a day off today. Scotty Stevenson with you. Uh, just before we get to the 10 o'clock news, um, Louis Scenes, Sheffield Wednesday up against Peterborough. League One playoffs. They went into the game trailing 0 4, 0 4. Uh, they won the game 5 1. 5 all on aggregate to penalties. Uh, what a crazy, crazy game of football. This is insanity, really, if you think about it. it they're, they're calling it one of the greatest comebacks of all time. No recency bias at all whatsoever. But a texter alerted me to this just a wee while ago. Um, and yes, then they've returned and said, Sheffield Wednesday's one on penalty shootout. What a comeback. At this time of year, football just goes wacko, doesn't How it? How good. How good. Poor old Richard Isaacs, who's our um, cricket statistician with Spark Sport. He's a Southampton fan, so his last couple of weeks haven't been great anyway. But um, be that as it may, uh, we'll keep you posted on any other developing stories. But looking forward to catching up with Andrew Gordy a little bit later this morning uh, after 11. Gonna, uh, sorry, about 10.40, we'll catch up with Andrew Gordy. We'll go through uh, all the comings and goings and ins and outs of the Premier League and, of course, Champions League as well. Uh, but after the news at 10, we're going to be chatting with Dylan Cleaver, a wonderful sports journalist, uh, author of The Bounce, which is a fantastic sports newsletter. Going to be talking about uh, another week of discussing concussions in sport um, and maybe listening to his responses to some of the stories he's written and some of the questions he has asked. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Dylan has been uh, hot on this issue for a long, long time and has covered it with aplomb, as he does so often. After 11.2, we're going to catch up with Susie Bates, White Ferns legend, going to be talking about their upcoming tour. Plenty more as well. Well, including the Stumped by Smithy quiz. It'll be Stumped by Louis today. Louis's in charge of the quiz. You look like a quiz master, Louis. 
I'll ask the quiz, but I'll, I'll run the quiz, but I think the punters want to go up against Sumo. I mean, you're just world-renowned for your sports knowledge, so no, I think it would be unfair to, fair of them to rob them of that opportunity to take on such a you know, a wizard of the sporting intellect. See, this is a problem with me. I'm no good at quizzes. I can retain information for a very short period of time. I made some appalling lifestyle decisions in my 20s, so I can retain oh, information for, <laughs> forget, for forget a very the short period chat. of time. <laughs> <laughs> There's no budget chat today. We're not going to get into politics here. Surely that would just drive people up the wall, wouldn't it? Sheffield Wednesday. Come on, you owls. Get up. How good. Uh, with Dylan Cleaver, dylancleaver.substack.com, if you want to get into The Bounce, which is his thrice-weekly sports newsletter. Uh, it's always filled with fascinating insights. He is probably the most awarded sports journalist in the country, and a great pleasure to welcome him to SENZ Mornings. G'day, Dills. G'day, Scotty. That's a very kind introduction. Thank you. Only the truth here, Dylan. Only the truth. Um, speaking of the truth... Uh, <laughs> Could be a long time before it comes out. When it comes to concussions in sports, uh, a lot of people, well, a lot of vested interests, uh, really, and you have been running stories on concussion, on the various issues around concussion for some time, uh, especially as it's pertained uh, to rugby union in this country, Dylan. But a fascinating story this week, not just from you, but David Fisher, your former colleague at the New Zealand Herald, who uh, revealed the link between ACC the Accident Compensation Corporation and New Zealand Rugby when it came to colluding around answers to journalists' questions, uh, yours uh, in particular. What a fascinating story. Can you just give us a top line of what that was all about? Yeah, sure. Look, I was as intrigued as you were, actually. I did have some forewarning that it was coming. Um, David Fisher, the New Zealand Herald investigative reporter, um, Gave me a ring, basically to give me a heads up that this was a story he was pursuing and mm. to see what my sort of general feeling was on it. Essentially, I did a story a, a few months ago um, in summer uh, concerning uh, two Wiley, Tutakawa Wiley, the former New Zealand first MP, and one game All Black, mm. um, a Wellington legend, like a, a dashing first 5'8", running first 5'8", a real, um, a real sparkling player, uh, he has been suffering for a long time with dementia. He um, suffered a number of concussions as a player and it really quite tragically when you read back on his medical notes he suffered a number of them in a very short space of time. Mm. The awareness around concussion back then was nowhere near like it is now. Um, you know, it was get a head knock on a Saturday, um, turn up to training on Tuesday and run yourself through it. And he's been very ill for a long time. And the story was basically uh, his family, in conjunction with the lawyer, fighting the system. They had had claim after claim after claim rejected by ACC, mm. saying there was no uh, definitive proof that um, his dementia was CTE or that it was caused by his concussions. And eventually they won that battle. And I guess what upsets me and I know it's upset the family a little bit about Fisher's story is that this wasn't really a story involving New Zealand rugby. The rugby side of it was almost incidental. He could have been having, that family could have been having that five-year fight with ACC if he had been a forestry worker and received a number sure. of 
um, branches on the head. Like I don't want to stretch it to its ridiculous point, but in all seriousness, it could have been. He could have been. He could have suffered that concussion in a number of different ways. It did happen to be rugby, but New Zealand rugby was never involved in the story. I, I never went to them. It was about the family's battle to get his condition recognised. So it was a little bit. I think the word I used was it's a little bit creepy that mm. ACC's first thing that they did really was communicate to New Zealand rugby, hey, we can't tell you who the player is, although I'm, I'm quite sure that through other back channels, New Zealand rugby would have known exactly who it was. Correct. But we can't tell you the, the details of the case, but this is a story that Dylan Cleaver's working on. How do you want us to frame our response? Mm. Now, to me, that is a serious overreach of their partnership, um, their long-standing partnership around injury prevention, which... Is, is meritorious. I have no problem with that partnership whatsoever. I just do not think that fell into this remit. David Fisher clearly didn't feel it fell into this remit. And I guess it's up when the reader reads that story, it's up to them to decide whether, you know, this is a healthy situation for, for a government no-fault insurance agency to essentially be colluding with New Zealand rugby as to how they frame their responses. Yeah, and well, I guess one of the other elements too, and, and uh, you, you've spoken to me about this, and, and it was also included in Fisher's story, you've sent that email to ACC in confidence. Um, you've sent your yes. requests and, and your queries in confidence. So to have those being discussed with a third party who had uh, essentially nothing to do with your story, uh, that rankles, doesn't it? Rankles as a journalist, but it also speaks volumes about what's happening in those aforementioned back channels when it comes to the ongoing discussion around concussion and the link to CTE, uh, for which many organisations, sporting organisations, including New Zealand Rugby, currently did deny there is a provable link between concussions suffered in rugby and the development of CTE and related ailments. So the, I, I guess we're trying to get to the bottom of who's in charge of the response here. Is a government agency taking its cues from a sporting organisation that, that understands that um, some of its peers around the world are currently facing class actions, um, or is and should it be that agency that is providing the best possible guidance to the sports body itself? That, to me, is where this gets rather confusing. Yeah, it does get confusing. And look, to be honest, I'm not... I understand rugby's position, um, and the... One thing that troubles me a lot with some of the work that I've done is that in various um, sectors I'm labelled anti-rugby, which could not be further from the truth. I, I love the game. Welcome to the club, uh, Dills. Yeah, I, I love its physicality. Yeah. Its brutality at times frightens the hell out of me, particularly in the, in the modern game. But there'll always be a part of me that feels you know, great connection to the sport. I'm not anti-rugby, and I understand rugby's position here that they want conclusive proof before they do any action. But New Zealand rugby's actually in a very privileged position here. It's not like uh, the RU and Wales rugby and uh, who are facing class action lawsuits. ACC actually protects them from Correct. that. Correct. Uh, which which adds a kind of not another layer to this. And I know. For the, for the listener, this is probably getting a, a, a little bit confusing when we're talking about class action lawsuits, but we're talking about a number of players that play professionally in Wales and England 
um, in Scotland who have since been diagnosed with early onset dementia and probable CTE mm. are now suing World Rugby and the Rugby Union Welsh Rugby saying that they were not given enough warning that this could happen to them. They knew that they were in line for ACL injuries and arthritis and, sure. and all the, you know, the, the wear and tear that you get from playing such a high-octane collision sport, but they were not properly forewarned that if they didn't treat concussion seriously and even subconcussive hits, if they didn't monitor the amount of subconcussive hits they were taking, they could be in line for neurodegenerative, sorry, that's a very tough word to get out sometimes, <laughs> diseases. And so, so I understand rugby want all the evidence. I get, I get that. But this, this particular incident, again, I'll use that word, I think it's an overreach. One of the uh, central figures throughout uh, any reporting around concussion um, has been Chris Nowinski, the former footballer slash wrestler, um, who understands that that he's already suffering uh, the effects of of early onset um, and has become, uh, I guess, an advocate for uh, removing some of the contact for children in particular around trainings. but he was noted by New Zealand Rugby, and this is how they labelled him in, in the same David Fisher story, which you also alluded to in the bounce, as a contact sport critic. Um, and it just feels yeah. it feels like things are set up here. Chris Novinsky, I don't think, is a, is a contact sport critic. He, he's a critic of allowing too much contact for young brains. I understand that. And, and going back to your yeah. point around rugby, neither you nor I, Dylan, are, are critics of the game itself because you cannot mitigate for head knocks or concussive or subconcussive injuries in a contact sport. But there, there has to be some... Uh, to use a phrase that you're f- very uh, fa- uh, f- that you love to use is you've got to be the adult in the room, um, and so when it becomes so adversarial over this issue, does that mean that a resolution or at least some sort of consensus gets further and further away? Yeah, it does. And look, Chris Novinsky, who I think is an amazing safe sport advocate. That was how I would probably frame him, rather than a contact sport critic. Mm. I mean, he does—he does go about things in a certain way, and he does rankle people with his bullishness. Um, I think that's pretty well documented. Uh, in fact, you pointed me to a wonderful story in the, that ran in the Washington Post this week, which mm. I would urge people to get on and Google Chris Novinsky Washington Post. It's really a—it's a fantastic read. But yeah, there does there's a split into camps. Um, and I don't know who that suits, because what we all want, I would have thought, is we know we can't take all the risk out of rugby, out of NFL, out of AFL, out of NRL. We know we can't do that, but we still want to recognise the risks and be able to act on them. And in fact, there's a fascinating story that I've just run into in the, in the last three quarters of an hour, mm. which makes me wonder if um, we've really underplayed the recovery times that you need when you receive a head, uh, head injury, whether it's a traumatic head injury or a, a mild head injury. But I no- noted that in the study in Canada that 50% of concussion sufferers are still experiencing symptoms six months on from the injury. Mm. So half of them that get a head knock are still feeling the effects of that six months on. And we, we kind of cavil about a three-week stand down. Yeah, um, it's extraordinary. So I, yeah, 
but, yeah, but, so but again, I go. But then you go back to the to the nature of this discussion, if I can be polite and use those terms, because the the argument is not going to stop. In all of your reporting, and and we are expecting other reports to be revealed. Um, we have scientists engaged in writing those reports. We have some who have been widely discredited, uh, as was the case for AFL not so long ago. Um, we're going to keep seeing this science refuted. We're going to keep seeing the evidence refuted. Uh, it's going to be claim and counterclaim, and for some time to come. In the meantime, Dylan, you and I have both met former players, um, some recently retired, some long retired, who we know and they know are suffering the effects um, of these kinds of ailments, so of dementia-related illnesses or CTE potentially related illnesses um, and it, it is frightening out there it is frightening when you're reporting on it uh, especially when you as you've alluded to earlier when you still love the game but you cannot put your blinkers on and think that this is not going to have an impact on a significant number of people who were week in week out playing high contact high energy professional football yeah and look um, it would be absolutely wrong to speculate on, on uh, people's individual cases, but, you know, there's been stories this week about mm-hmm. former rugby players mm-hmm. who have died, um, and the stories referenced head injuries, and, um, and Bruce Robertson, an absolute legend of the game, uh, died this week, and um, B.G. Williams, you know, revealed he'd been suffering from dementia for a long time, so it's it is frightening, and uh, I believe, actually, and I don't want to be too grim and morbid about this, but I, I believe we're kind of entering a little bit of a black spot now where uh, those guys that were playing um, high-level rugby, kind of around about that time, it went from amateur to professional. Mm. Uh, so a lot, of the, a lot of the training and the um, physicality and the fitness and the size of the players suddenly became very professionalised. Everything was hypercharged in that respect, but a lot of the lifestyle attitudes were still firmly amateur. Mm, and mm. a lot of those players are kind of entering their, their 50s now, their late 40s. And I do, I really fear that we may see a, a deluge of really grim stories. I mean, I, I hope we don't. Uh, but you know, the, all facts, well, not all facts. Everything <laughs> seems to line up in that direction. It, it feels that way. It, it does feel that way. And and you know, speaking to someone firmly engaged in the game just yesterday, uh, they used the word pandemic, and that's how they described what could be coming down the pipeline, uh, which is a frightening thing to think about because ultimately, you've got to think about the people first. Um, the sport is there for the people to play, but if you don't think about the people, uh, and that's both the people who are playing the game currently, and, and we know that protocols have improved over time, but the ones I fear for, Dills, are, the, are those who have left the game, are out of the game, and where is the support around them? Um, and I think that's yeah. where the waters get very murky indeed in the story. Yeah, and I think there are things um, being work- the Rugby Foundation does do work in this space. Um, I know the Players Association are anxious to do um, work in this space. And, and again, look, I think um, I've probably been a bit late in saying this, but it's not apocalyptic. Mm. Uh, if you played rugby in the 80s and 90s, 
bones no stretch are you guaranteed to get correct. neurological correct. disorders. It is still rare, okay, um, so in terms of the amount of people played. Uh, it doesn't lessen the impact that that one person that does get it has on them, their family, their wider community, though. I think that's probably important to, to um, get out there. Amazing to talk to you, Dylan, and I know these stories are really hard because you are dealing with people who um, are riding high emotions and it's a very emotional subject, um, but always appreciate your work in this space because I think it takes a bit of bravery to step outside and uh, and not just follow suit, and um, I know that you've received your share of criticism and complaint too on the stories you've run, but I know you'll keep doing it because that's what you do, so if you want to read any of Dylan's pieces or you want to subscribe to The Bounce, just head to dylancleaver.substack.com. I urge you to subscribe to The Bounce. It's a fantastic newsletter and uh, Dylan will continue uh, to be that rare thing, uh, one of the great writers of sport and thinkers of sport. So awesome to have you here uh, today, Dils, and uh, enjoy your weekend, mate. Thank you very much, Scotty. You too. A clock right now. You're listening to SCCNZ. We have got Sumo filling in today for Ian Smith. And uh, if my camera isn't playing tricks on me, I believe we have the CEO of New Zealand Rugby in the studio with you, Scotty. You know, that's the best thing about, we share a similar building with New Zealand Rugby here at SCNZ and uh, and Mark Robinson is just bold in the door to say hello and I thought, well, while we've got him here, we'll have a yarn. Appreciate your time, Mark. It's great, Simo. Great to be here and yeah, nice little impromptu, so it's happy very, to chat. This is very impromptu <coughs> and um, look, I guess we want to start, we started today talking about Super Rugby and of course another week in which a number of, of All Black players are um, going through a compulsory rest period for a lot of the fans Mark as you, as you can probably appreciate it, it's a frustration isn't it but can you just give us an idea around the overarching philosophy behind these rest periods why they're important to New Zealand rugby and whether or not you think that there is an integrity issue with the, with the competition when this has to be a part of it yeah I mean it's a, it's a great question and a really fair one especially in the context um, that you mentioned there Sumo about you know working really hard at the moment to put the fan more at the centre of the whole experience around the game and the participant as it relates to community rugby. But you know we've got an obligation here where we are juggling priorities, aren't we? And mm. and all of the research and data we see from from our high performance people around load amount of minutes is, is suggesting that these uh, these guys, the players, need um, a break around the. Um, around the cycle that we're talking, you know, around that five, six game mark. Now, I appreciate there's probably a lot of fans out there that are, are used to historically seeing players play for, you know, long periods of time, but um, we feel a real obligation around player welfare and, as I say, all the all the information uh, is telling us that they need a break occasionally. And, I mean, I, I get it. That's just a, a an issue we've got to keep monitoring and mm-hmm. um, in a World Cup year especially, that's something that we have to be really conscious of. I know it's hard because you're an organisation that, that has to run the shop window, which in terms of rugby is, is largely international rugby. Super rugby, though, is such an important part of the ecosystem here. Is there a case for saying we would love to see a little bit more attention on super rugby as a standalone competition? Because, again, we discussed this morning this, this whole notion, and I realise why commercially this is good, but you can't have a discussion about Super Rugby without putting it into the context of, of All Black Rugby. And it feels overwhelming sometimes and almost like that competition gets pressed down. Is that a fair assessment or am I oversimplifying a touch? Oh, look, I think it's a, a view that, um, you know, 
people would share with you, Sumo. I, I think we're a unique sport in regards to the fact that we are trying to administer uh, and run a, and a, a club competition and we have this international obligation as well. I mean, you look at Ireland um, recently and, and what's happened in the URC with Leinster resting a number of players and dropping that semi-final over the weekend. You know, they're very similar sort of model to ours in the central contracting and the four teams they have and juggling the, the window. So it's... Um, you know, the window of, of club and international. And, and so as opposed, we hear often, you know, people refer to the NRL or the AFL or the NBA, very different um, competitions as they relate to the, having an international game. And we still draw a significant amount of value out of the international game, obviously. Mm. And it's it's something in terms of our teams in black, we work really hard to make that sure they're as successful as possible on the international stage. So that's, that's our context, I guess. How important is it going to be to, uh, if a Super Rugby Independent Commission is deformed and developed, how important is it going to be to get that right, get the personnel right, so that the interests of the fans are looked after, the clubs are looked after, but also so that the interests of the unions themselves are also looked after? Because it it feels complicated all the time. It's a great point. I mean, we are really clear from a a New Zealand standpoint that we see some more dedicated focused resource around Super Rugby as being really important. You know, this competition has been a great competition over the years. Um, However, it has sat, as you say, within the construct of sort of national union interests. So um, we are are very keen to see a commission stood up with a, a governance structure that has a good level of um, independence to it and fresh eyes around these challenges that have been facing us for some time now about you know tournament format the way you know the way we package it the, the way draws work the way themes can work a whole number of things we think can really benefit from some fresh eyes around it and then as you say a management structure sitting um, within that too that has um, the right people in it so in our mind it's critical but we work in a JV with our friends from Australia and you know we are how's that going well, overall, pretty good. I mean, we're just we're just working through this one with them, and and um, hopefully, you know, we'll we'll get there on this. But um, it's just going to take a bit of time, as all partnerships often do. Yeah. Simo, yeah. I, just a, a couple more points, and again, I appreciate you've just wandered in, and this is very impromptu. Um, I had a, I had a chat to, to Dylan Cleaver earlier on, still regarding. Yeah, the ongoing issue around concussion and, and how the game is developing to make sure that the players are protected. You talked about player welfare in terms of load. Uh, it is an ongoing issue for the game. Uh, where do you stand as an organisation now in terms of the research at your disposal and, and the dialogue that is that is out there in the market? And, and this pertains to a particular story this week where we understand that NZR and, and ACC were in communication around journalists' questions. It, that's a complicated relationship in itself because I know you pay levels to ACC and I know ACC are a sponsor of yours for your own headfirst programs. So where are you at as an organisation when it comes to the issue around concussion and the potential subsequent consequences of those concussions? Oh, look, we're still, you know, working um, really hard at it. We believe we have, um, you know, wonderful people working in this space. You know, I was up in in the Northern Hemisphere recently with different meetings across um, Six Nations, World Rugby, and, and a lot of the work um, that we are doing features very prominently there as it goes to to research in these areas. Um, We have more resource in-house than most other countries do. Um, We were actually reached out to by another, sorry, a lot of other sports as to the work we're doing. So, um, you know, this is a a constant work on for us. It's very clear it's a a massive priority for us. Mm. Um, and, And we'll keep doing that. We're, you know, alongside that research, we are looking at ways, you'll have seen it in Super Rugby, in which we can um, change the, the format of the game to, to make sure, hopefully over time, there's um, 
there's more speed and tempo in it that might mean you know the the nature of the contact has changed over time at community level we've already um, changed uh, or, or trialing laws to you know lower contact uh, and those sorts of things at the moment so this is an area where you know we're, we're taking really seriously and um, we'll continue to do so yeah, you've got to get it right too don't you yeah we, we want we want kids involved in the game it's yeah, so I mean, crucial that kids are looking at rugby and saying I yeah. want to play yeah. I want to be a part of it but mm. then the onus is is upon the organization isn't it to make sure that those kids can play in the safest way possible and and I, I say possible because it is after all a contact sport yeah it is and you know, we're like you, Sumo. We are 100%, you know, committed to as many people having great experiences in our sport as they possibly can. And we think rugby and sport in general is is um, so fundamentally important to what Kiwi kids should grow up with in terms of not only what happens on the field or pitch or court, but uh, what happens with all the great things they learn through association with with sport. Mm. I look at the last couple of years, and it's had its challenges, um, and we've locked horns occasionally in terms of how you've approached it, how we see from the outside, the work that's been done. Of all the challenges you have faced uh, around all-black coaching issues and coaching appointments, the COVID situation, the relationship with Australia, I mean, I could go on, but I'm just outlining your daily diary probably. What's been the hardest for you? And what's been the biggest lesson you've learned as a CEO through the trying times, through the criticism, uh, and through, uh, I guess, the, the constant investigation into the organisation? Oh, look, this is. I think COVID was something that um, no one was prepared for, were they? You know, in, in our first year, um, that was a, a revenue impact of. Uh, you know, approximately $60 million. It had a massive impact on people um, right across our, our mm. sport. Um, it did impact on relationships, you know, internationally and locally. Um, and that happened right across the world. You know, it happened in the geopolitical sphere. Internationally, it happened in business, and it certainly happened in sport and in, in rugby. So, uh, and that brought with a lot of scrutiny in our, in our world. And um, we we do on a daily basis live with that. So that's not something that, you know, all of a sudden happened. It's just that, you know, the pressure and the unique circumstances, I guess, shone on a a brighter light at times. Um, I think the other comment I'd make to that is we are trying to fundamentally transform the game. We believe it can be a game that does reach more people, engage with more people, um, and uh, be be so much more, I, I guess, enjoyable and a central part to Kiwi's mm. lives. And while you're going on a change journey like that, and you've got some of these things happening, that's been you know particularly tricky. And so the thing I've probably um, reflected on is there's been you know more and more opportunities we work through this for consensus building. Um, you know, collaboration is really, really important. Um, there were unique circumstances over the last couple of years where that wasn't always possible in certain situations to the extent that, you know, we might have um, been able to. Mm. But nevertheless, um, we sit here now and I'm, you know, I'm really proud of where rugby sits as a sport, um, despite some of the observations that you've probably reflected on there. Mm. We, we're seeing super rugby, you know, broadcast numbers um, have a significant jump this year. Social media impressions as high as they've, they've ever been. We've got some work around crowds to do, but we've seen two, two sellouts in recent um, 
recent weeks with another one apparently close on Saturday down in, in Hamilton. You know, the Sevens teams are back, you know, uh, into international competition and going well. Our participation rates up in teenage levels as well as in heartland areas and women and girls were doing a huge amount of sport around, uh, work around the um, the research area to play a welfare like we talked about. So, yeah, it's been, it's been tough, but it feels like the world is starting to normalise a little bit again now and there's some really good things happening now. Now we've got some calmer waters we're um, starting to push into a bit. It's going to be an interesting few months ahead. I know that. It's a results business you're in ultimately, or well, that's part of your business too. What would you say to the fan right now? There, there are fans who, who maybe have fallen slightly out of love with the game for one reason or another, who maybe have just felt disconnected as the game has moved far more commercial. What would you say to them? Oh, look, I'm not sure... Um, we, we've certainly looked at opportunities to um, create value across the game. Um, I'm not sure I'd necessarily agree um, that that impacts necessarily, you know, negatively on the participant or the or the fan. You know, we are working really hard, as I said before, to try and put the fan and the participant more at the middle of anything we we do, which is a big shift. I think historically. You know, the sport has relied on, look, we're, we're, we're rugby, we're the national game, you should sort of find a way to support us. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah. and we've, we acknowledge um, that we need to change that model. So you talked about um, secondary school rugby before, you know, the, the different law changes there, formats of competitions, um, our our coaching, our officiating, it's all part of that player experience, which is really important. As it relates to the fan, you know, the shape of the game, the, dare I say it, that word product uh, in terms of what they want, they they want that to modify and be more entertaining, have more spectacular highlights in it. And and we understand that and we're trying to move towards that. Um, I think we, you know, we have worked hard to grow value across the game, but that's simply so we can reinvest into more areas to hopefully grow and foster it. Um, at all levels, you know, we we want to see more kids, um, boys and girls, playing the game at a junior age. We want greater experiences right through our pathway, through to our high performance areas where we want winning teams. So, um, we we think that reinvestment model is is really important and and committed to making um, a difference in all those areas as we can. It's been hours chatting to you, as you know. Uh, thank you. This has been bonus time for us. You're just uh, wandering, wandering into the studio. So yep. I really appreciate you sitting down and, and answering a few questions for us, Man, I'm sure there'll be plenty of text replies on the line I'm as well. I'm sure there will be. Thanks. Thanks, you know, Rugby CEO Mark Robinson, thanks so much. If you're feeling a bit flat, that's okay. Come and join Izzy and me each morning from six, and I'm sure you'll find a reason to laugh. <laughs> and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, Scotty Stevenson filling in for Smithy today. A very good morning to you. It's 10.42 on your Friday here on SENZ. Uh, Mark Robinson, NZR CEO, uh, just wandered in for a wee impromptu chat. Anything in there that caught your interest? Anything that you disagree with? Covered off a lot around the way the organisation's trying to put, uh, and I quote, the fan and participant in the middle of those decisions. Also spoke around the philosophy when it comes to All Blacks rest periods uh, and the complications of the international game versus the club game. Uh, could have sat there and got in-depth. I'm sorry we ran out of time because uh, it would have been a, a fantastic uh, chat to continue. Uh, but uh, get in touch, Double eight, double three is the temper bed post text line. Uh, meanwhile, Andrew Gordy from News Hub joins us. Andrew, a very good morning to you, mate. 
Morning to you, Soma. How's things, mate? Look, I'm sharp as a marble, thank you, Gordy. And um, I've got a bit. I've got a bit. You know that you are a much bigger football fan than I am, and that's why we've got you on here because the the world of football is going mental. We talked about Sheffield Wednesday. I don't know if you across that story earlier. They come yeah. back against Peterborough to take uh, that League One playoff. Uh, but a little closer to home, I want to start with, mate. Bonnie Jensen of the New Zealand Herald has been running a series of stories uh, this week regarding Western Springs. Football um, and a potential threat from uh, the women's senior team to just walk out on the club. Have you been across this story and, and what do you make uh, of this kind of story involving club, women's club football, this close to a women's World Cup on these shores? Yeah, it's not a great look, is it, Sumo? I've got to, got to say, outstanding work from Bonnie on, on this story. It's um, it certainly caught the attention, I think, of, well, pretty much all mainstream media outlets yeah. um, over the last week. And it's been fascinating to, to monitor developments on this one, hasn't it? It's, it's astounding, really, isn't it, that uh, in this day and age, but as you quite rightly point out, so close to hosting a FIFA Women's World Cup, the biggest women's sporting event on the planet, mm. we're going to be co-hosting that later this year. And this is the sto- sort of story that's uh, kicking around uh, only a couple of months out. Um, it, it's staggering, really, isn't it? Um, and this sort of attitude just doesn't fly um, in 2023, I'm afraid. And I, I've, I found it really interesting to monitor the, the developments and the changing language across the three statements issued by the club over the last week since they um, announced the, the departure of uh, their coach, Ryan Faithful. Mm. Um, it's gone from being, um, you know, we're, we're, we're at odds, I suppose, over uh, how the, the women's and girls program should be, should be run. We have different views to that approach. And then very suddenly it is we are taking these matters very seriously. It's like, well, it feels to me as though you're only taking it seriously because now everyone's got their eyes on the club and exactly how they're handling this issue. And look, Sumo, I'm not going to pretend that I know all of the details. I don't. Um, but quite clearly, the devil is in the detail in this in this regard. It, it will be fascinating, I think, at some point to learn exactly what the players in this team have been pushing for, mm. um, and exactly how those responses have been met, um, or what sorry, what responses um, those have elicited, I suppose, from the club officials, and now where they're getting to. It doesn't seem like anything they're requesting is is unreasonable. Mm. Um, it feels as though they're, they're simply asking for equal treatment, uh, not even equal pay, which, again, this is this is um, you know Auckland club football. Yeah, right. I don't even really understand what, right. what, what the pay issue is even about. It's, it's absolutely staggering. But mm. um, but look, if we're just coming down to you know equal opportunities to use the number one pitch and and equal access to to support staff and things like that, these don't seem like uh, unreasonable request at all. So I think uh, the club has clearly handled this poorly, um, and it's a massive lesson not only to them, but I think probably every other um, club in just about any sport right across the country. Yeah, they're all fair points, uh, Andrew, and I totally agree. And, and again, I, I reiterate, it's been fantastic reporting from Bonnie uh, in the New Zealand Herald, and um, uh, she's not going to let up. She's a mad football fan and a player herself, so um, she's got skin in this game, and she's uh, using her journalistic skill to bring this to light. So hopefully mediation works and, and we can get to the bottom, at least um, make sure that, that everyone at the club and, and the women and girls involved um, find some middle ground. Uh, there's no middle ground in the Premier League this time of year, though, Mr Gordy. And uh, fascinating story uh, around Everton, who are still at risk 
Um, but the potential sale of the club, or well, I think that sale may have actually gone through to Triple Seven Partners, another American venture capital fund already with their uh, toes and teeth very much sunk into football clubs uh, throughout Europe. Uh, a, a really interesting time for a club with the history of Everton and another move by VC or private equity into the Premier League. Good news for Everton, crazy news for Everton, and can they stay up? Can they stay up? I think the answer is yes, um, but quite clearly they're, they're, in a, they're in a bad trot. They're in a bad situation at the moment, aren't they? And you know the reality is that only one of, I think, Everton, Leeds and Leicester City are going to survive the drop. I'd probably have Everton as the favourites to survive at the moment, but stranger things have happened. Um, you know they've obviously got they've got Wolves away and then Bournemouth at home now. Being against Bournemouth at home for your last game of the season uh, when you're in a relegation dogfight that, that will come down to the final day, no question about it, yep. um, that's a huge advantage, isn't it? You know, you can, you can get your, your fans to get you across the line. Um, so, look, if I was a, if I was a betting man, um, I'd say that Everton will survive the drop, um, or certainly not at the expense of Leicester City. I've got grave fears for Leicester City, which is a, a terribly sad story. You know, this is a team that were Premier League champions um, in 2016. That's right. uh, the, the fairy tales, the end all fairy tales. Um, then there was obviously tragedy with their club owner, and things have just turned sour there um, with that club. They've put pretty much zero money into into recruitment. Um, they obviously uh, got rid of their manager, Brendan Rodgers, during the season, and, and it will be. I would be surprised if they survived the drop. And again, I just think that'll be terribly sad because. Um, you know, that, that shouldn't be happening, should it? You know, only seven years after they were the champions of the competition. Yeah, it feels um, But strange. it does highlight, yeah. I suppose, what, yeah, it feels very strange, but it only highlights, I think, just what a what a crazy competition the Premier League really is, you know? Um, That's right. Hey, I've got one final... We've got one final... We've got one final uh, thing to consider here. Um, look, my friends are Liverpool fans, uh, and they're in a dogfight now with Man U. Yeah, so am I, because you never hear the end of it. Um, Man U got a game in hand too. So they got Bournemouth away, they take on Chelsea at home, and then Fulham at home. Liverpool have only got the two games remaining, one point separating them. I still think this is an absolute dogfight, this, find that, that top four and that mm. final spot. It absolutely is, mate. Um, and uh, as a Manchester United fan, um, I'm absolutely terrified of the prospect of missing out on Champions League football to Liverpool, who have been absolute mud for the first half of this season, and then they have five straight, quite staggeringly turned it round. My goodness, they have been on an incredible run, and yeah. they've, they've managed to recapture that form that took them to Premier League titles and Champions League um, titles and finals and whatnot. Um, yeah, so they are breathing down United's net. Look, they may. They may just run out of time. But look, Manchester United have got three games left. I, I, I think they will drop points, whether it's, you know, whether it's they're going to drop enough points to give Liverpool a chance to, to sneak in the door, I'm not sure. But look, having that game in hand and, being that, and having that one-point advantage yep. uh, might just save United, but they're running out of steam, that's for sure. Well, Liverpool are going to be looking at their last game in particular and saying that's points in the bank because that's Southampton and their season is done. Yep. Uh, the Villa game is going to be all important, uh, all happening. We haven't even got to the Champions League. Who's your pick, though, for the final? Oh, it's Manchester City. Um, look, the way they destroyed Real Madrid. Oh, what about that? Look past them. And look, I, I, I hate to say it, um, Sumo, but that was 
that was quite clearly the biggest roadblock uh, to them achieving the treble. I'll yeah. be stunned if they don't do it now. Um, you know, you look at when Manchester United did it, that was incredible enough. But United's um, cast your mind back sort of 24 years. They essentially had three finals in the space of eight days. They had to win it at Tottenham on the last day of the Premier League season to win the Premier League. Mm-hmm. They made it to beat Newcastle in the FA Cup final and then Bayern Munich uh, through, the, through an absolute miracle at the New Camp. Um, Manchester City have got a lot more breathing space. They're yeah, going to secure the Premier League this weekend. United, uh, I'd be stunned if they put up um, uh, what well, they put up enough, I suppose, to beat Manchester City in a final. Um, as I said before, United are just running out of steam. Man City, I would expect to win that. And then, look, Inter in the final. Never count out an Italian team, but, my God, like Manchester City are just a machine at the moment. Yeah, um, they're looking good. Yeah, absolutely right. Mm. Andrew Gordy from News Hub, really great to chat to you, mate. Love your football knowledge, love your knowledge in general. You have a fantastic day and a lovely weekend, friend. You too, mate. Cheers. Short break here on SENZ. Plenty more to come after 11, though. We're going to chat to Susie Bates, White Fern Cricketer, and we're going to get you across all the racing action. Stay with us. Now, Teroa, this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Certainly is. It's 10.57. Coming up 10.58 on your Friday morning. Scotty Stevenson filling in for Smithy today. Louis down in Christchurch with us. Uh, impromptu interviews. Story of the day today, Louis. Letting it all wash over me, Sumo. Very exciting to have um, Mark Robinson swing in. It's hard enough to get him through requesting the appropriate channels, but sometimes you just need a stroke of luck here and there and, and a freelance broadcaster to work some magic dust. Look, interesting. So surprise to me. <laughs> yeah, you look, you look surprised. Handled very well. Um, anyway, there's lots to take out of it. One thing I find interesting is that Mark suggests that New Zealand rugby are unique in the sense they're not like the NRL or the NBA. They're looking after a competition and also running international duties, and they've got all things to take into consideration. But at the same time, they want to put the fan first. Well, here's the thing, and it has been like this for a long time. You're no longer competing against no one because it's national sport, which you later reference in your interview. Mm. So you've got to be a bit more nimble because those eyeballs, those people, well, you're competing directly with those competitions. You might be different then. So maybe that's what he means when he says that he learned a wee bit around consensus and collaboration. And I guess that you just have to trust a little bit that they are trying to work on that stuff yeah look because I think ultimately they should be mutually exclusive you can still have a very solid international program but you've also got to have a really solid club structure Super Rugby is going to be the shop window for so many fans who can't go to an all black game either because they're priced out or because of the scarcity of those test matches so you want people through the turnstiles I was really encouraged too by the, the fact that he said there's work to do around crowds I couldn't agree more, and it has been nice to see a couple of sellouts this year, but I think uh, a lot of work needs to go around the fact that, that a fan at a ground should be more than just a bum on a seat. It's got to be a full experience, and those who are running these competitions need to look at the stadium, need to look at the offering on game day, and say, is that good enough right now? I guess that's another one of the challenges coming up for NZR, and it's now 11 o'clock. Here's Aroha with the news. 14.76am in Auckland, this is SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport.
Ship Battle of Auckland live commentary of the Stars taking on the Mystics from 2pm Sunday on ECNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Quite right there, nothing does get past Ian Smith. He's taking the day off. Scotty Stevenson with you for the next hour before Mark Stafford arrives uh, for his show from midday today. Sure to be exciting as it always is. Plenty coming up uh, this hour as well. Susie Bates, our feature interview, talking about the White Ferns about to head into camp and of course their tour to Sri Lanka has just been announced as well for June and July. A few texts coming through on double eight double three here, the Timber Bed Post text line. Uh, enjoyed listening this morning on Super Rugby says Jeremy bring on the independent board to run the competition it'll be coming Jeremy but uh, I think they've got to reach some agreement with the Australians as to the makeup of that independent commission at the moment too Uh, and a really interesting point here from Doug I think Louis um, and sorry Doug it's been a while since your text has been up here I've been meaning to get to it but just thinking about NRL and how popular it is compared to Super Rugby I've been playing NRL fantasy for three years says Doug and I think I know every player that's such a good point I don't know any of the up and coming Super Rugby players my question is if we had a standalone app where you can play fantasy rugby would that generate more interest Uh, that again from Doug Louis I I 100% agree I just want a hub where you know you can immerse yourself completely in Super Rugby without the outside noise, without the coverage, which, as we've mentioned today, tends to reflect All Black chances as opposed to who's playing well in the competition. Full stop. Would you be into a fantasy game for Super Rugby? A hundred percent well-developed, immersive fantasy game. Yeah, 100%, of course I would. You can go to SENZ, the tipping competitions we run, Doug, but it is not quite the same as a fully-fledged fantasy, and you look Mm. at the the boom of other sports, and again, we talk offshore markets, but that's because we're comparing entertainment to entertainment, not necessarily sport to sport, and where they have done a lot of good work is around fantasy, so take your point. All right, that's the text line. You can get hold of us on the Timber Bed Post text line anytime. Double eight double three is that text number, and it's a pleasure to welcome to the show, Susie Bates, White Ferns legend, beaming in from uh, Dunedin. Good morning to you, Susie. Good morning, Scotty. Now, uh, it's all go uh, because I know that you are training hard, which I would suggest means that the rest of the White Ferns uh, squad is training hard as well. Has Scott Wren got you putting you through your paces as you prepare for this uh, first camp back? <laughs> Yeah, lucky I'm just on the phone because um, I've just finished a niggly 800-metre session at a oh, track. Yuck. We've got um, the beloved 1,500-metre time trial, which is sort of our fitness measure coming up in a couple of weeks. So out with my beanie and woolen gloves. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's been a nice little break, but we're definitely back into it, and Scott Wren has put us in the hurt box a little bit. Uh, good to hear, uh, and also great to hear news confirmation that the tour to Sri Lanka is going to go ahead. Three one days, three uh, T Twenty internationals as well. Starts in Gaul on the twenty seventh of June. Obviously, you guys will be there a little ahead of time, but exciting to be contemplating uh, international cricket again, Suze. Yeah, it is. It feels like a while back since we've been together and. It was a bit of a disappointing campaign at the World Cup, so um, Ben Soy has definitely done a lot of work um, in this break to put together a campaign heading into next year's 2020 World Cup in Bangladesh, so mm. it's nice to be able to tour Sri Lanka, which is 
similar conditions. Um, you know, we've got two pinnacle events in the subcontinent with Bangladesh and India. So to get over to Sri Lanka where a lot of our younger players have, have never played in the subcontinent, so it's going to be a really good experience, especially for the spinners, which thankfully I've, I've tried to become a part of. <laughs> How is that going? <laughs> oh, I've taken a few backward steps, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Craig Cumming, who does work down here for Otago Cricket, is not um, a specialist spin bowling coach, so he's got an ex Otago Vault and Black Cat, Mark Craig, to help me out, and he's, he's stripped it right back, so I feel like a kid learning how to bowl again and actually trying to spin it, which is quite key when you um, define yourself as an off-spinner. <laughs> you wanted to be a part of the spin club. You invited yourself into spin club during the tour of West Indies last year, we understand, um, but the crucial question for any up-and-coming spinner, are your blisters in the right place? Yes, no, they've recovered. Um, the first time I learnt to bowl spin or tried to bowl spin, I got the blister on the wrong finger. So Mark Craig was very happy that at least I've been ripping the ball with the right finger. So he was pleased this week that I could bowl again because they're quite sore and there's been lots of them advice of how to get um, rid of your blisters, but I won't share them. They're not probably appropriate. No, fair enough too. And this is a highly appropriate radio station, Susie Bates. Um, oh, I want to talk about you and, and, and your desire. You've been a part of this team for a long time. Um, hunger levels for you to to continue to perform at the highest level, to continue to represent New Zealand and, and, and do what hasn't been done in a very long time, and, that, and that's lead this team to, to a World Cup success. Yeah, they're, they're as high as ever. And, um, you know, we've had two World Cup campaigns um, in the last couple of years that I've been a part of and disappointed with the results as an individual and as a group and look I just want to keep on going I feel um, as physically and mentally fresh as I ever have it's such an exciting time to be part of the women's global game and the youngsters coming through in the white ferns keep me young and I think that spin group's a big part of that um, my enthusiasm's you know as high as it's ever been and you know, once I, I lose that and I guess the attitude that I want to get better, um, that's when I know it'll be time to walk away. But right now I don't feel like that that's very close. So I'm just going to give it all that I've got for um, the rest of my career and make the most of all these really cool opportunities. I love that. I absolutely love it because so you should. Your, your experience in and of itself is so crucial to that team. But also having that desire to say it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's no set rules here around how long you can go for in this game. It, it all comes down to how much you want to put in. And I, I know you, I know you personally, I know how hard you train for it. But it's a great message, isn't it? That, you know, it's got to be on your own terms. When you are ready, um, if you are performing, if you are scoring, if you are contributing to the team, which you, you've done for such a long period of time, then what's to stop you just carrying on until you feel it's time yourself? Yeah, exactly right. And you'll know in New Zealand and in, you know, the sporting and professional world at times you get into your thirties and there's this narrative that you, you're sort of over the hill and I guess you can sometimes buy into that and now I'm kind of challenging that and even in simple fitness messages, um, I mean fitness tests I'm as you know, I'm measuring the same as I was perhaps ten years ago. So yeah, I'm, I'm challenging myself not to put a limit on that and, and hopefully in New Zealand, you know, when people get into their 30s, you realise that they can still be in their pinnacle. Yeah, love it. Um, wait till you get into your 40s though, Susie, it all goes downhill after that. Um, <laughs> I do want to, I've got, I've got Louis Herman Watts down with us in Christchurch as well and um, Louis, I mean, you've 
kept an eye on the White Ferns for a long period of time, both with your journalistic work and your broadcasting work. What excites you, mate, most about this team and the talent coming through? I guess it would be the scope to improve. I don't know. I hope that's not too backhanded, but I just think that there's a lot of excitement around the team, Susie. You'd know this, the the amount of, um, we're just talking to Mark Robinson about putting the fans first. I think it's something that New Zealand Cricket have, have done a reasonable job at over the last few while, and especially on the women's side of the game. So there's probably less apathy than there ever was, and you've seen that with the kind of disappointment in some of the results. So I guess, I know that sounds a little bit backhanded, but I reckon that you're on the precipice, and if we can string some results together, I think that kind of um, void will be filled with more supporters and mm. probably then better young women cricketers. Susie, does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely, and I agree. And having been around for so long, um, we've got two of the best all-rounders in the world game, and, and Sophie Devine and Amelia Kerr, and... I think for me and people who have been on the outside perhaps don't understand that the structures and the systems that are now in place and for me and Dunedin it's the first time I've had access to a full-time women's coach because now every MA has a full-time coach dedicated to, to the women's game so I think now we've actually got the structures, the systems, the domestic game with the Super Smash and the HBJ and now all these contract and um, international opportunities. So we're in the perfect position to actually move the game forward. And mm. I think it's really exciting. And also why I still want to be a part of it, because I think we're finally getting those little things right. Yeah, it's quite incredible. You, you bring up the, the, the opportunities now, Susan. And I know that, that missing out on the IPL was, was devastating for you personally, but still looking ahead to the fact you've got uh, WBBL, which for the first time will have a draft this year. You'll be back in the 100 uh, where you led the Oval Invincibles to the title last year up in London. Um, these competitions will continue to develop. Uh, and, and I guess alongside that, uh, and I know that for some it's secondary, but for some it's very much at the centre of their concerns. As the, the pay rates are also growing exponentially as well. So the money on offer now for young women coming into the game who want to be good, who want to reach the pinnacle, uh, is quite tantalising. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason if, if you want it, if you want to do it for the next 10 years, someone like even Carson playing around the world, you can make a really good living. And it's a bit of a horrible situation. I don't like it that much when they're all going to auctions and your name comes up and someone raises their hand. But, you know, the IPL coming in, it's lifted the competition for the WBBL in the 100. And, and now the pay, the minimum pay for the Big Bash has doubled even since last year. So everyone's competing to provide the best competition, which, which is exciting for all the players involved. And those competitions are only going to get stronger and stronger. And, you know, not only someone like Eden Carson wanting to do well for New Zealand, she, she wants to make those competitions and, and be a global superstar. So it's a very cool time to, to be a female cricketer. Talk to us about Ben Sawyer, um, how he's also come into the team, and, and Dean Brownlee, who is with you. Very similar attitudes. I think they're quite laid-back personalities, but um, very deep thinkers of the game. How has uh, Ben impacted this team in terms of the team expectations or the style with which you, you train with or are there other elements that he's brought to the side that you think are going to have those incremental benefits leading into the next World Cup cycle? Yeah, Ben's, um, you know, come from the Australian setup, which has led the way in the last five to ten years. And look, we probably 
And he went, Mummy Sanis, I don't think we've seen the full Ben Sawyer effect just yet. He kind of took on the team and the players and the contracts were already decided. And I think he sort of spent the last 12 months finding his feet, working out the systems and structures. And I know being part of the leadership group in the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of Zoom meetings and we're definitely starting to see his style. And that's going to be one of a lot of hard work, a lot of volume. He sees fitness as really key for this group moving forward not only for the on-field performance but for that mentally tough side and he sort of challenged us in questioning um, whether we were mentally tough in, in tough situations like World Cup so that's a real work on for this white friends group and I think he's going to come in pretty hard which I think is exciting we sort of need that, that style and a new approach so um, I think we'll find out the next camp what Ben Sawyer is really like and um, there might be a bit of tension there but it'll be great stuff. Hey, yeah, looking forward to that or does that come with some trepidation a little bit of anxiety around uh, potentially things stepping up or for someone like you who's represented your country both in basketball and in cricket is that just par for the course and do you enjoy that uh, as an athlete as an and I'll say this word kindly as an older athlete than some in the team do you enjoy feeling that challenge and then rising to it? Uh, initially I think there's that anxiety and you realise you're going to be put under pressure and then you realise um, that's how you get the best out of yourself and I even know in, in these last four weeks with conversations we've had I've just had to find that little bit extra and push a little bit deeper and I know all the other players there'll be a, a lot of anxiety but we've talked about um, not shying away from that high performance sport World Cup events there's anxiety and if you don't put yourself through that outside of events you don't actually learn how to be resilient so I'm sure that first camp there's going to be some sleepless nights and some, some nervous youngsters but hopefully I'll get around them and, and tell them that it's what it's all about, or, or I'll be not sleeping as well in preparation for the 1500. <laughs> We've got a few minutes left. Louis, over to you, mate. Uh, anything that's uh, is taxing your brain around this White Fern setup and about some of the players? In? <sighs> it's a very good question, Sumo. Actually, I've got a question that's completely, or, or, or completely um, off topic, if you don't mind, Susie. That's all good. Go for it. It's around Craig, Craig coming. Um, and Craig, he's <laughs> Craig, Craig is obviously one of the great characters in in New Zealand cricket. But I've always wondered, and we I, I was lucky enough to work with him a wee bit back in the day when he used to fill in at Radio Sport. And he was he went down this big train of opt. You're either a certain person, you're either a, an optimistic person, or you're a pessimistic person. Has he given you the spiel before? He has not given me that spell, but I swear he's given me every other spell he's ever had. Um, <laughs> that is the one thing of training with Craig. He's been brilliant, and his knowledge around batting is second to none. I've loved working with him, but I sort of turn up with the intention to have you know an hour batting, but I kind of have to get there an hour and a half early just so I can give him half an hour well. to get all his daily thoughts out before he takes the batting. So I've had a few... Um, there's epiphanies and thoughts and theories on everything, to be honest. That's, I mean, you've just answered my question. Where I was going was, do you eventually numb to Craig coming, or does it just he always manage to pierce through with some ingenious thought that he's kind of come up with? Is it does it ever just do you kind of start to you know you just start smiling and kind of nodding and you're actually thinking about how many runs you're going to score? <laughs> 
but I just have this strategy. I, I listen for a good 10 minutes, but then I just start walking down to the other end of the <laughs> net and he gets the picture and I'm ready for hit balls. But <laughs> no, he's, like, he's so passionate about the game, so he loves to talk about it. And to be honest, when he's talking about batting, there is a lot, but there's actually not that much to filter because he does know so much about the game. So... Look, their sparks have really improved since he's been involved, and we do have running jokes. Polly Ingalls is um, pretty good at giving him grief when he talks too much and just tells him that's enough. So he gets the picture and he takes it pretty well, to be fair. He's a great man. Uh, he is, mate. He's been a great colleague, and, and he is. He's genuinely passionate about the game. That was so diplomatically answered, by the way, Suze. Louis was trying to stitch sit up there, and you've just managed to navigate through those very narrow waters uh, well. And I wouldn't expect I still need to hit balls three times a week, so I've got to I keep know. him on side. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do need to do that. Um, so, look, we wish you all the best for camp. Uh, I think you guys are at Lincoln end of this month, is that right? Yeah, um, Monday, the 29th of May, I think it is, we get together, so a full week at Lincoln. Um, so that's always a bit like Groundhog Day, but the marquee's up, so um, we'll be on grass, which will be great stuff. Oh, fantastic. Well, we wish you all the best. Uh, we know you've still got so much to offer the national side and the game, full stop. Um, it's just a pleasure to catch up with you. So train well. Um, enjoy that 1,500-metre time trial. That's going to be an absolute hoot. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Susie Bates there, White Ferns legend, joining us on the phone from Dunedin ahead of their first camp at the end of the month. Time for a short break here. Back with more on The Morning Show right after this. It's a mouth-watering second leg of the A-League semi-final between Sydney FC and Melbourne City FC. Locked one all on aggregate. Catch live commentary tonight after the NRL. The Rural Roundup with Andy Thompson in 60 seconds. Well, any time. 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's certainly the morning still. It's 11.25, in fact, only Friday, but this is not Ian Smith. Scotty Stevenson filling in today. Real pleasure to do so as well. Thank you to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Time to talk some odds now. Pip Morris from the TAB joining us. Uh, Pip, good morning to you. Good morning. morning. Not too bad. Thank you very much for asking. But uh, what we really want to know is uh, where is the money at uh, this week? What are the punters getting into? Well, start with the PGA. Ryan Fox is now very popular with how he started today. He's dropped into $41. He was uh, very well backed in the outright market earlier on at around $276. So he's certainly come on uh, a lot in the market and followed closely by John Ram at $81. As far as the NRL goes, I can tell you too uh, that the Crusaders have are very popular in their match. At one point three thousand put on them at a dollar eighteen. Wool Jordan, first, second or third try scorer and Crusaders win by twenty one or more at six dollars is the most popular power play option there. Three thousand has been put on the Chiefs match result at a dollar twenty two. Eighty five percent of the match result is on them as well for the turnover for the Chiefs to win. And don't forget about the same game multi too. So you can place a same game multi on either of those games, three legs or more, if you end up missing by one one leg will pay you back with a bonus bet up to $50 in your account. That's very generous of the TAB this weekend, Pip. 
Certainly, I'd like to be generous when we can. And then just quickly, too, before we uh, pop off, I can tell you the outright winners market in the NRL seems to be very open this year. Warriors fans are out in force, so it was 28.5% on the outright market hold on them at $46, followed closely by the Penrith Panthers with 13% at three fifty. Hey, tell me, Pip, before you go, what about the NBA? Are you having a bit of action on uh, forecasts or is it all just about this, the current series? Just the current series at the moment, we have had a couple of bets come in for the Miami Heat yesterday uh, prior to their game and in the Celtics as well. But yeah, at the moment, I think Hunters are just really playing the games at this stage of the competition. Awesome. Great to hear from you, Pip. Thank you so much. You can watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. Pip Morris joining us from the TAB. Is that juicy odds for you, Louis? Did you, did you get some juice there? Uh, well, well, I actually had my juice dose earlier in the show when you lobbed out a sixty odd dollar multi <laughs> on a Friday, which is very naughty behaviour. It's very naughty, and I noted stupid. it down, put it in the back pocket. That's <laughs> stupid. Yes, but the key is you're, you're not betting what you can't afford to lose and gambling responsibly. Now, I found the, probably the text of the day. We mm. do seem to get the odd pearl of wisdom on double eight, double three, the temper bit post text machine. Every once in a while, mm. you guys just send in a gem. And Craig has absolutely nailed it. He's nailed the sentiment and he's nailed the text. I really like listening to Susie Bates and women sports people in general. They always seem to have more quality to say than men. Never a truer word spoken, Craig. Do you, do you know, half the thing is, is because m- most of our, our women's professional athletes are not micromanaged. They've actually had to think for themselves. They actually have to understand that they are there promoting a game, that they are there promoting themselves in many cases. I think a lot of our, our men's athletes, especially in the, in the big codes, are coached so much and are controlled so much about what they can say, what they should be saying. And, and it's got nothing to do with their intellect. It's got nothing to do with uh, how engaging they can be away from the sport. I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that they are quite often told what to say and therefore when it comes to actually just having an opinion themselves they're lost but it's a very good point and i guess the fear would be as women's sport becomes uh or gets its share of the pie and becomes more professional you <laughs> hope that that doesn't happen to them i actually don't think it will because as in general i do think that the uh other sex are probably more thoughtful than us Oh, there's no, doubt. There's, there's no doubt about that, my friend. No, that's not even a stereotype. That's just a proven fact. We all know this, for real. Uh, look, there's still uh, a fair bit to get through, including uh, Stumped, which is the which is your daily sports quiz, is it, Louis, or is it just a Friday thing, Stumped? It's daily, Sumo, avid listener of the show, and uh, Wait, we, you can do is I'm play. asleep. <laughs> $50 TAB. Speaking of, $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. To one of you good folk, and Sumo's not getting off the hook here. You're uh, playing... Really? Scotty. Okay, well, you, you can call now. It's 0800 150 811. Time for the news, and we'll be getting stumped right after Aroha. 1476 AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. Auckland weather, some rain, isolated showers and then heavy falls possible with gale force winds up to 90k. High 21, low 14. Join us for the ANZ Premiership Battle of Auckland. Live commentary of the stars taking on the Mystics from 2pm Sunday on SCNZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. 
Wow, pure irrelevance today because it's Sumo that's good at his job. How do you go with the keeping gloves in hand, Scotty? As a kid, no, no, no good, no good. Um, cricket. Um, let's be let's be completely honest here. Um, was a very average bowler and a very average batter, um, and occasionally I could take a catch. But never. We furnished into a reasonable commentator, I suppose. <laughs> thank, thank you, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll take reasonable any day of the week. <laughs> no. uh, wonderful on the spike coverage, and I hope that there's uh, room for you to stay involved in future years. But today it is James from Christchurch, my part of the world, taking you on. Scotty, good morning, James. A bit of a gloomy, overcast day in the O3. Morning, boys. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely persisting down here. Looks like it will be all day. Yeah, sounds yeah. disgraceful. But anyway, the sun will come out tomorrow, no doubt about it. James, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling confident? Oh yeah, we're pretty good, mate. I mean, we'll, we'll see what the uh, what the categories are because uh, you, you'll have a pretty good sporting knowledge, I think, so, mate. No, I've already mentioned today, James, this is your lucky day, mate, because I retain information for only a very short period of time. So most of the things I've ever known in sport I've already forgotten. So, yeah, mate, you could be in to win here. But anyway, Louis's running this show. I'll shut up. Louis, over to you. Well, as James knows, how, how this goes, he gets three cracks at a t- well, three different topics. He can choose one, and mm-hmm. he gets first crack at the question. If he misses, you get a chance to stump him, and right. then we'll move on if you do so. If nobody gets the questions right, it's the best game in the world because James will just win. Um, your topics, James, <laughs> your topics, James, are football, the round ball, netball, the round ball, rugby, the oval ball. Which would you like? Oh, I'll go for rugby because I think I'm, I know the most about it, but Sumo probably does too, but we'll go rugby. <coughs> okay. James, question number one. Name one of the two teams in the Premiership final in the UK this weekend. The UK Premiership final. Uh um, Five, final, uh, four, three, uh, Saracens must be there. <laughs> well, <laughs> James, before we carry on any further, your 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 phone is not anywhere near your hand, is it? Well, I'm talking on it, mate. <laughs> 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 Very good. Very good. All right. Okay. Yes. Correct. What happens now? What happens now? Brian is there. Oh, usually we get the little. Uh, the oh, there it is. Right in the slot. Yeah. Under On to the next question with nothing but integrity and honesty. Three <laughs> Hurricanes are fourth equal for tries scored in this season's Super Rugby Pacific with seven each, including inspirational captain Artie Savia, boom winger Sully Sirayasi. Can you name the other Hurricane? Um, top try scorer. Ooh, probably going to be the, either the hooker or the halfback. Um, go for Amila, Asafa Amila. One of the worst things... I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Scotty. This is really tough. Um, My knowledge on this subject is loose, to say the least. Um, I am going to go Geordie Barrett. 
one of the worst things <laughs> I have ever seen done on a cricket field. James did the hard work. He narrowed it down pace. to positions. It's Cam Ruigard. Cam Ruigard. Was Cam Ruigard. Well, that means that you stay alive, I believe, James, if I've got the uh, dynamics of That's the right. quiz correct. And he you does. have one, one chance, a one-question shootout. You hit, you win, you miss. Scotty hits, you lose. You you miss, Scotty misses, you win. It's the best game ever. The All Blacks are set to open the World Cup against hosts France on the 9th of September at 7am New Zealand time. I dare say you'd be hearing that on... SCNZ as well. And you can listen live. <laughs> you can listen live right here on SCNZ if I read ahead. Who did the All Blacks play in their second match of the tournament? 16th of September, 7am New Zealand time. Who else is in that poll? Um, probably one of the bloody minnows. going to go <laughs> for uh, Namibia. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot. And away it goes. Ah, fair play to you, James. You've absolutely middled that one. Must have been, must have been deep in the knowledge being that one. Outstanding. Really outstanding. And apologies to Cam Roygaard as well. I probably should have known that. <laughs> well done, James. Louis, what's he won apart from, right. apart from a reprieve? Uh, $50 TAB bonus bet, which, Brian, if we you just stay on the line there, Brian will get your details, James. And uh, you enjoy that, of course, Maybe go and put it on Cam Ruigard, anytime try scorer, because I believe he is playing this weekend, Scotty. He is playing this weekend. TJ Pedernata yeah, out I think injured. He's, he's one of the only ones still in there, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, not an All Black yet. <laughs> so that would explain that. Actually, um, James, we'll put you through to Brian. Scotty, on that, Cam yeah. Ruigard. Uh, big news today Brad Webber confirmed. So it's been speculated for a wee while. Yeah, that's right. But he's off to France, which is um, probably not overly surprising. But we really do have a new generation of halfbacks that Scott Robertson will have at his disposal. Yeah. You know, if if you had to single one or two out that you're very excited for for the kind of next year and beyond? No, uh, Roygaard's one of them, for sure. Um, look, I, I think he's he's just a classy halfback. I, I think what's fascinated me this week, actually, it, it's on similar lines, has been the talk about Tawara Kerbala. Um, mm. You know, he's, look, he's... He's been magnificent in France, and he's he's really grown into that job. Um, and we are going to have this conversation over time. I, I don't think it's a lay down Mazir at the moment that New Zealand will not change eligibility laws. I, I think um, the World Cup's going to go some way to to seeing whether the current situation still works in the best interests of the All Black side. Uh, but when you've got players of that calibre who are turning in performances week in, week out, in jurisdictions that you're worried about as an organisation, France, Ireland being two, uh, chief among them, um, you know, it does feel somewhat uh, wrong that these players are prevented from playing international rugby, which is still, uh, as we're told time and time again, the pinnacle of the game. So, yep, there's plenty of young talent coming through. There always is in this country. There's enough to keep repopulating teams time and time again. Uh, but again, I think you need to go back and look at one of the themes of the show today has been this consistent focus on who's already in the All Blacks and how they're playing, as opposed to who's playing well in Super Rugby um, and who are therefore the players to watch. I just don't think we do enough to pump the tyres of those who are playing very well for their Super Rugby clubs. Leave out the conversation that they're going to be an All Black or could be in the All Black picture. Just say, this is a player to watch for the future. This is a player to watch right now, doing great things for the franchise, for the club. Well, here you go. Here's one. Um, and it's not too much surprise I'll bring his name up. But I was 
been watching very closely the halfback situation at the Crusaders the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks, and I'm convinced that there is a chance Noah Hotham might be the number one halfback by the end of the year. He's just starting to work it out. By the end of the he- year? I just think that he is starting to work it out. Tonight goes a long way. Mitchell Drummond is a absolute legend down this part of the, the world. He has 100. just done such a good job for so long. He is always going to be there. But I just think you'd be crazy to say that Noah Hotham doesn't have the scope to potentially supersede Mitchell Drummond. And mm. that would be a part of the Crusaders game that could elevate and make them really dangerous. So tonight he gets the start against Moana Pacifica. He came on against the Blues and was so good in the weekend, and he's only 19. He goes to this World Cup. Whatever he does this year, he'll be better next year and the year after and the year after. Mm. I'm really excited to see this kid um, keep improving. You know, it's one position, too, where you've had a number of veterans who have just held the line for such a long period of time. Aaron Smith, TJ Perinato, Brad Webb has probably fought for that third spot. But it tends to be a position where players have a long career um, and certainly in the case of Smith, Petanara and Weber that has been the case so you have to be patient as a young halfback in this country but we are going to see as of next year a, a clean sweep by and large throughout Super Rugby clubs in terms of who's playing in that halfback role which is such a key role in the game isn't it? Totally is and it's very exciting for these um, this next generation. I think we're going to take an ad break and then we're going to come back and uh, Louis this is when you really really Uh, start to shine when it comes to talking horse racing um, and racing in general harness racing horses everything about it because uh, this is your sweet spot and we want your take on what's coming up on SENZ the loveracing.nz update your home for everything thoroughbred racing visit loveracing.nz racing's biggest fan Oh, I wasn't expecting that sound effect to finish the sting, but uh, there you go. It's time to chat some racing, and Louis Herman Watt is standing by in Christchurch studio. <laughs> Louis. Yes. Talk to me. Enlighten me. Enlighten, wow. enlighten the fans. What would you like the fans? What would you like to know, Subo? I mean, yeah, you know, I've I'm an op- I'm a I'm an open book. I'm a blank canvas. Uh, all I know is I'm not going to paint you I've like got... one of my French girls. What's on the mail run tomorrow, Louis? What are the big races? Come on, let's just get straight to the meat. Forget the sandwich. Focus. Focus. Uh, well, tomorrow we've got two galloping meets. We've got. Tarapa, which mm. runs eight races, and it's very much heavy track form to the fore, and there's a couple of bets I like across the cards. There's a couple of nice races, including the Open Handicap Race 5. Dunstan Horse Feeds Handicap 1300, and it's actually the Dunstan Horse Feeds Sponsors Day there, or Clients Day there at Tarapa, and, and they are massive, massive supporters of the industry. David Smith and Dunstan, what they have done throughout the years, mm. is, as far as a sponsor's point of view, it's amazing. So it's great to see them getting their dues tomorrow at Tarapa and then down in the central districts well we do have stakes racing because in race number eight we have the Rangatiki Cup um, Rangatiki Cup sorry I should say uh, running and there's Tony Kemp's actually got Just Ask Me he owns Just Ask Me along with Bruce Sherrick and Alan Sherrick and Mm -hmm. and, uh, Just Ask Me races in that race and I reckon he's one race away from winning but I would not say that he won't be winning tomorrow although his new Plymouth Pal Mary Louise, trained by Robbie Patterson, gets a whole seven kgs off him, and at three dollars, looks pretty dangerous. I reckon the tracks will actually. Suma, here's, here's an interesting one for you, mm. and, and I don't know how much racing you watch. You might not watch any, and that's totally fine. But something to always remember: 
when the tracks get heavy like tomorrow, you're almost anything after halfway on the meet, flip what you think a good draw is. Mm. So in summer at Ellerslie, you want a low draw. Yep. At Pukekohe, you really want a low draw. The tracks are hard and fast. You want to be doing as little work as possible. You want to be hard on the rail. The paint is the closest way to the post. Mm-hmm. But when these tracks get wet, all of a sudden, that advantage gets taken away because the inside gets chopped up by the first few races, and all of a sudden, they start coming further and further out. So a wide draw is actually beneficial. They can sit wide, whereas if you draw in, you're going to really struggle to get to that nice part of the grass where you want to do your galloping. So that's just a, always a good reminder when these tracks get heavy. Mate, it's a, it's a great insight from you. So I'm, just, I'm looking at this track. I mean, it's going to be running its rapper tomorrow. It's going to be what's listed as a heavy nine at the moment. So, I mean, uh, are we in scratch territory here, um, depending on, on form, depending on the horses themselves and, and how the owners are feeling, the trainers are feeling? Very good question, and definitely. I mean, at this time of year, you're not necessarily nomming your horses, nominating your horses if you don't think they can get through a heavy. Mm. But saying that, there will be the odd one that will be thrown in with the biggest and most of optimism that the weather might clear and the track might not be that bad, and, and that means that there will be. Now, this is important because the TAB for... Or oh, would be about six months, more than that, maybe about six, nine months now, have been running a promotion called No Deductions. So mm. if you have a bet into a horse race in New Zealand and scratchings decimate the field and the prices therefore collapse because the markets completely squeeze, well, you still get your first price. No deductions apply, so a bit early, bet responsibly. That's the advice when the tracks get heavy. More great advice from you, mate. Um, also, there is uh, one harness meet tomorrow in Vicargill, uh tomorrow. Correct. They race it in Vicargill tomorrow, which will be uh, a nice little support card to the gallops going on. This evening, though, it's Alexandra Park and Addington. And there are group races going on there at Alex Park, including we get to see... Oh, it's good to see that she is turning up. Um, Millwood Nike, she's a bit of a freak. Now, Frank Endicott, good old, what do they call him? Happy. Happy Frank. Um, <laughs> he he owns Millwood Nike with his son and a couple of friends. And I'm not kidding, this horse has lined up 13 times and won 13 times. Yeah, that's For ridiculous. $527,000 in stakes. That is absolutely ridiculous, that stat, isn't it? Absolutely so ridiculous. She, She's becoming box office. She's becoming Winx-like. It's race seven tonight, so that's 8.20. So if you've got nothing to do, I don't know, is 8.20 halftime of the rugby? No, it's not now. They start at uh, seven o'clock. But flick it over. Watch a winning machine win because she is becoming box office. That's Millwood Nike in the Magnus Benro Size stakes. Three-year-old Phillies champs final mobile pace tonight at Alex Park for a more $130,000 prize money. So it could be an absolute fill-up. That's what's going on in racing around the trap, Sumo. Legendary. Thank you, Louis. And don't forget, if you're into some harness racing, you can get to hrnz.co.nz and get amongst it. Louis Herman Watt with the breakdown for the weekend's racing. Tonight, Trots, Alexandra and Addington. And tomorrow, we've got Trots and Invercargill, Gallop, Sawapuni and at Tarapa. It's 11.52. Time for a short break. Going to catch up with Mark Stafford right after this.